Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Matt, first and foremost, happy Saturday for you, my friend. I know you, uh, like me, uh, enjoy a little bit of golf. You've been watching any of this, uh, this Ryder Cup action. You know what? What I saw with Justin Thomas having the kind of two-and-a-half-footer, I was insulted. I wouldn't even do that to uh, my buddy if we were playing match play. Well. It's getting a little bit salty out there in Whistling Straits. It is definitely getting salty, but I don't think we should use, you know, uh, the level of gimmies we're giving our buddies and applying it to this because if that was the case, uh, I'd be, you know, my, my buddies tend to, especially in the course of a round, they like to give me a couple really, like, like a five-footer gimme early in a round because they're looking for that in the back end. You know, like they're looking for that when they need a par putt to secure like a 76. Like they're kind of like waiting for me to give them a five-footer. But, hey, here's here's always the rule of thumb on gimmies and asking for gimmies. You should, A, should never ask for one. And, B, don't ever expect one in return by giving a crappy gimme to your buddy early in a round. I just like those are those are the rules. I'm just saying, don't. Well, I got another rule for you. I got another one. This is all about gamesmanship. That if if I were you know with Nate Gary and we were on the course and you made me putt that putt, if you had a putt that was just even inside the circle of trust on the next hole. <laughs> I might make you stand over it. I might make you take a practice swing. And then when you're about to swing, I take then give it to you. Yes, love that. <laughs> love that. Um, yeah, no, that, that's a great point, man. I guess I hadn't thought about that. I, I, I always – listen, it's all about mind games, okay? And uh, yesterday at, uh, at my club, I'm, unfortunately, like this weekend, we we're having a, like a scratch tournament and a harvest uh, tournament over at our club. I'm not playing because I've got some on-air duties here this weekend. But uh, one of my buddies who's the, the assistant pro there, he, he was kind of asking me for some tips because he's playing in a group against uh, one of my very good buddies. And I said the entire time, mind games. Same thing you're saying, right? Like give him the gimme right as he brings his putt back, right? Like the club back in his swing those are the sorts of mind games that you got to play in a scratch tournament which uh, i'm totally for by the way um you know absolutely i'm totally for that type of gamesmanship let's um let's shift gears because i I get the feeling you and i could talk a lot about golf all all afternoon here but i want to ask you a little bit about this washington football team who you had sort of a front row seat to last week um you know you as a you are a giants fan right like that i'm I'm not or did you cover the Giants? What what was your what I was covered, your? I, I covered the Giants. Yeah, I covered the Giants for NJ.com. Yes, that's and what I it was. Still do some work covering the Giants for fan side, and in addition to everything I do nationally. Um, but yeah, I think the Washington Football Team last week, the last two weeks, really, you know, that win over the Giants. So what Taylor Heineke did, throwing for something like what was it, three forty six yeah. with a couple of touchdowns. I'm not even going to worry about the interception because it was bouncing around, and the Giants didn't really capitalize on that late. Uh, but, but, you know, if Taylor Heineke winds up doing that on a weekly basis, 
you found your quarterback. Yeah. And for the next two years, you're paying essentially a bare minimum salary. At some point, they're going to need to pay him, right? But you're not going to pay him an Aaron Rodgers-level contract. He's not going to be on a top-10 pick in the draft quarterback contract. So you can continue to build around Taylor Heineke with a really young and exciting nucleus on both sides of the ball. you got Montez Sweat and Chase Young making up arguably – uh, a top three defensive line in the league. You got some playmakers in Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson. If Heineke is legit and if he winds up being their answer at quarterback, it just feels like their window is starting to prop open a little mm. bit in a division where everything that's going on in Dallas with all of the injuries and all the question marks, how far away the Philadelphia Eagles are, and the fact that the Giants can't seem to get going on either side of the ball all that consistently. There might be a window here with Ron Rivera and the Washington football team to make a little bit of a run over the next couple of years. Yeah, I'm wondering, though, the crazy thing is if we're talking about sort of a surprise here, which I think everybody thought Fitzy was going to bring a level of, he's a gunslinger. Like, there's going to be some highs, there's going to be some lows. But if they end up, you know, striking and finding a, a starting caliber quarterback, a top 25 quarterback in Taylor Heineke, that changes the game for them a little bit because of the the assets they used to get him. He was a backup last year in, what was it? It was the, um, uh, the American Football Alliance? Yeah, exactly. Unbelievable, yep. right? Like, so to see his ascension is is insane. But for me, Matt, I, I think the thing that everybody was sort of maybe just taking as a maybe taking for granted was like this defensive line is the best defensive line in football. There's four first round picks; they're all legit. Chase Young might be one of the best young defensive linemen in football, and yet he doesn't have a sack through two games. They've been trying to, you know, Jack Del Rio's been bringing more blitz than he I think is probably comfortable doing, trying to get them in more one on one matchups. Why haven't they had the success rushing the passer early on in the season, especially last week against the Giants offensive line that isn't exactly the most impressive group? I think last week was a little bit of an anomaly, right, because the Giants got back to what worked for them offensively last year, and that was funneling the offense through Daniel Jones' mobility. He rushes for 95 yards and a touchdown, and they ran a lot of zone read type of designed running plays which kind of neutralizes that pass rush, right? Because if you got to worry about the quarterback pulling the ball and taking off with it, you can't just pin your ears back and get after him. Um, I thought that the Giants' offensive line, I thought that Andrew Thomas played better than he did certainly the prior week against the Denver Broncos, but they still generated pressure. I think Chase Young has something like eight or nine pressures through two games, so they're generating pressure on the quarterback. They're just not quite getting home. And if you're the Buffalo Bills, Nate, you got to be careful here because everybody came into this season. I surveyed a dozen current players, executives, coaches, scouts, including two head coaches. The Bills were the team mentioned the most, more than the Kansas City Chiefs, more than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in terms of being a Super Bowl team. Mm. And you've come out flat at home against Pittsburgh. Nobody's going to give you a lot of credit for going down to Miami and knocking off a, a Dolphins team uh, with Tua Tagovailoa going out at halftime. If they don't take care of business against this defense and they struggle again on Sunday afternoon, you kind of have to start to wonder if maybe this team wasn't reading its press clippings. And I think this Washington football team is good enough to, to put a scare into them. They, they beat the Giants by three. They lose to a really good Chargers team at home who came back on them late after Fitzpatrick got hurt. This is one of my favorite games that I'm looking forward to the most this weekend. It should be a really great matchup. And, man, I'm wondering sort of your thoughts so far early on – I. I think if you're a fantasy football player and you're 
you know, an owner of Antonio Gibson, you had to love some of the reports you were hearing out of training camp. Like, oh, this is Gibson's year. The usage, you know, expect Dalvin Cook, expect Christian McCaffrey type volume and usage. And through two weeks, it has not been the case. In fact, this is a converted receiver, Matt, into the running back position. So you'd think he would have a bigger part of the passing offense, but almost all the volume in the passing game and the running back position is going to J.D. McKissick early. Do you expect that to maybe grow, his usage grow as the season moves along? And it's early, he's been a little banged up. Let's give him an opportunity to sort of grow into his role. Or do you expect this to be the split all season? Yeah, I think this could become a running back by committee where they kind of ride the hot hand. I mean, McKissick showed last week against the Giants that he's capable of doing what you need to do to be a focal point of the offense. I think that overall you have more versatility and maybe more explosiveness from Antonio Gibson. But Washington kind of screams to me running back by committee until somebody gets hot and then Ron Rivera rides the hot hand. I don't know that McKissick is going to be the guy that holds up for an entire season. Uh, but but I think when you have two running backs that can be as effective as those two are, in their scheme especially, I think it's a, a big boost for Washington. Matt Lombardo here, fan-sided on the West Her Highline. We're talking Bills-Washington football team. Um, I, I, I did want to ask you a little bit about the Bills and sort of your, your thoughts early on. Obviously, I think in week one, the offensive line just was, was simply manhandled and outplayed by a really good Pittsburgh defensive line. Um, Cam Hayward just absolutely ate on the interior with John Feliciano, and obviously T.J. Watt had his way as well. But it was really Melvin Ingram that I think surprised a lot of people and just how good he looked in week one. Um, but then they have a big bounce-back performance. Let, let's not kid ourselves, though. The Miami defensive line is really nowhere close to the caliber that we see in Pittsburgh. But it's that defensive backfield that I think did play fits and, um, and, 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 and really, I think, confused at times Josh Allen. They are one of the best man-cover um, defensive backfields in the league. What did you see last week against the Dolphins um, and some of their the offensive struggles against the Dolphins? And, and do you expect to see this Bills offense? I know you talked about them sort of being the favorite amongst a lot of people within the league. And I think through two weeks, I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily changed, but I think a lot of people are, are maybe raising their eyebrows about the slow start for the Bills. But are, if you're a betting man, do you expect them to sort of snap out of it a little bit, particularly this week or, or moving into some of the easier games in their schedule? they got Houston next week. Yeah, I think it all comes down to Josh Allen, right? If Josh Allen's going to be the quarterback that they paid this summer, the quarterback that played at an MVP caliber level last season, the Bills are going to be fine. Um, the offensive line certainly needs to hold up a lot better than it did against Pittsburgh. You're not going to be tested a lot. You're not going to be tested at that level every single week. But I think this week is kind of a litmus test game for the Bills because just like Pittsburgh has all of those dominant players up front, Melvin Ingram, T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, we talked about it earlier. You line up against Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, and Chase Young, you're, you better bring your lunch pail to work. And if I'm the Buffalo Bills, you know, th- this is going to be the quick game. You've got to get the ball out of Josh Allen's hands quickly. You've got to look at what went wrong against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You've got to try to assert the running game. Uh, they didn't really get Devin Singletary as involved against Pittsburgh as I thought maybe they needed to to win that game in week one. Part of it is because Pittsburgh is so dominant up front. But, but if you can run the ball with Devin Singletary to set up the pass and go over the top to, to guys like Stephon Diggs, and you get Josh Allen into a little bit of a rhythm, I think that's how you counteract what happened up front. And, you know, go watching what the Giants did a week ago. If, mm. if, if, if Dexter Lawrence doesn't jump up offside on that field goal, Quote, drive, unquote. they win the game. And they win the game because Daniel Jones rushed for 95 yards in a mm. score and the offense funneled through his legs. 
I think that's what you need to do with Josh Allen on Sunday if the Bills are going to you know, make a statement to the nation. Matt, last thing I have for you, I, I kind of keep thinking about the league at large right now and some of the storylines going across the league, and I'm looking at a couple of teams in the AFC, particularly the Los Angeles Chargers, who, listen, I as a fan of the Chargers, like I like what they are as a team. I, I love Justin Herbert. I think he's just got such a bright future in the league. I think they've got, we're finally seeing what, you know, warranted Mike Williams to be a first-round pick. I mean, he has looked like the top receiver on that team through two weeks. Uh, Austin Eckler, really nice player. I like what they have defensively, really nice pieces. We're finally getting to see a, a healthy Derwin James. They lose to the Cowboys. Was that a surprise to you? As, as Maybe it was a surprise to me. And, and what are you expecting from this Chargers team? In a, uh, just, I think, maybe the matchup of the weekend in uh, Kansas City and Los Angeles this weekend. Yeah, it, you know, I'm, I'm pretty high on the Chargers as well, especially because of Justin Herbert. I think you watch him play, and he looks like he's been in the league for five years. And looks like he has second-team all-pro potential. Uh, just from his command of the offense, his arm strength, his deep ball accuracy, all of those things. They ran into a buzzsaw last week. Michael Parsons goes back to his natural position at defensive end, generates something like eight pressures, and just has a monster day. And, you know, the Cowboys just come at you in waves with those weapons, with, with uh, Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb and Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. I think they just became overwhelmed by it, by the onslaught a little bit, especially in the second half. That's going to be a really fascinating game because, you know, the Chiefs really have no margin for error here. You look at what Derek Carr and the Raiders have been able to do through the first few weeks. You look at what uh, Justin Herbert has been able to do in week one and very nearly pulled it off last Sunday afternoon. Um, the Chiefs need to win this game if they want the road to the Super Bowl to go through Arrowhead. And, and I honestly believe that for as competitive as the NFC West is and how many great teams there are there, I, I think the AFC... I think the race for home field advantage is far more compelling in the AFC because you don't have that transcendent dominant team right now like you do with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the other side. So I, I'm, I thought that the winner of week one was going to determine home field advantage because I thought the Chiefs had a chance to go 17-0. But there's some cracks in the armor. You yeah. know, they started real slow against Cleveland. They, they got come back on against the Ravens. This is a big game, and you know the, the Chiefs' home field advantage hopes might rest on this week because you can't keep stacking conference losses and you can't lose in your division if you're going to wind up being the number one seed. I uh, last thing I have for you from that matchup last week, are your thoughts, uh, and I'm talking about Kansas City. Your thoughts about the move for Chris Jones to the edge? I thought it was exploited to the max in that matchup against Baltimore. Just a bad matchup for Chris Jones, who's still sort of transitioning from playing in the interior and moving outside. What, what are your thoughts about his long-term viability at the position, and, and are they sacrificing his ceiling by moving him to a position that just, I think it's clear, isn't working? It's early, though. Yeah, I, I will agree. say it's I, early, Matt. I, it's early. Yeah, I think they were just so desperate to get a dominant edge presence, and they didn't really come out of one, come out of the NFL draft with one, so they put Jones out there. I'm with you. I think he's one of the top 10 or so interior linemen in the league, and to put him on the edge, I don't think that's an ideal fit for him. But, again, that's a really dominant Ravens offensive line that grounds and pounds and just wears you down with the running game, and it's a lot harder to get home against Lamar Jackson. I think this week is going to be a much better barometer, especially after what Michael Parsons was able to do against that Chargers offensive line last week. I think we'll find out a little bit more 
about Chris Jones' ceiling when he goes up against the Chargers on Sunday. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate all your insight as always. Thanks for always being so uh, so so great with your time and, and giving it to us whenever we ask you. We really appreciate it, buddy. Enjoy your weekend. Go Team USA and uh, enjoy the slate of football tomorrow. You got it, brother. Thanks for having me on. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game on your favorite streaming devices anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.